Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to the season one finale of I'd Rather Be Reading. Before we dive into my conversation today, I want to say thank you to each of you who have supported me on this journey. This podcast started as a dream back in the spring with the intention of getting people excited about reading again. Thank you so much to all of the guests who generously said yes, even before there was a podcast to listen to. Thank you to my producer, Taylor, who also happens to be my boyfriend and who I also happen to be in love with. And thank you to the show's very first listener, my sweet mom, Joy, who always tells me how much she loves the show after listening. And to all of you who listen, thank you. I am so excited for what is to come in season two. Now for today's conversation. Had you told me as I sat on the floor of my apartment sobbing in 2017, thinking my life was over after the end of a relationship, that I would one day be talking it out with Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child, I would have probably called you crazy. But that's exactly what happened. Michelle and I go deep on depression, love, loss, and life in today's episode, how we are both survivors. See what I did there? It is a conversation that felt as though I were chatting with a lifelong friend. Michelle is everything you would hope she would be, kind, generous with her time, caring, empathetic, and talking with her and really going there with her is one of the honors of my life, quite frankly. I hope you enjoy this conversation and feel the love emanating from it. Take a listen. My next guest truly needs no introduction. She is an icon. Today on the show, we have Michelle Williams, a singer, an actress, a member of Destiny's Child, and recently the author of the just absolutely incredible book, Checking In, How Getting Real About Depression Saved My Life and Can Save Yours. This book Mm. is honest, candid, raw. It is truly so much bravery in these pages. It touched my heart and moved me so deeply. And it is an honor to have you here today with us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to chat with you. And I told you offline a moment ago that, you know, even in the brief moments we've spent pre starting the recording, I just can feel the spirit in you. And, and Mm -hmm. I felt it in the book too. And so you already have so much going on in your life, right? You you're so busy. So what inspired you to write this book in the first place? I just wanted to get people language to what they were going through, what they're going through now, or even a loved one, if they're not going through it, that they can better respond to someone who is. Because at that time, um, whenever, whatever age I was at the seventh grade, I didn't know that it was depression. I didn't have language for this. I knew how I was feeling, mm-hmm. you know? So I figured, I said, let me help people. Let me, let me help them, even though I'm not their therapist and I think they should go to a counselor or someone if they feel like they've been feeling like I'm feeling you were to their primary, their primary care physician. Yeah. But at least it's like, wow, I, I know how she's feeling. Yeah. And you know, I think 
there's very few of us who have not either experienced depression ourselves or know someone very closely that has. And so I, I have anxiety. I do not have depression, but my very close family members have depression. I've seen it firsthand. And it's something that we need to take out of the shadows and we need to talk about. And this book is just, it's so courageous and it's so brave. And, you know, you talk about something that's really interesting. So your birth name is Tanitra Michelle Williams, right? Yes. Uh But you were encouraged early in your career to go by the name Michelle. So why was that? Well, for marketing reasons, it was, you know, people could better, better relate to Michelle than Tanitra. And so at that time I said, well, I'm going to trust the experts here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and now in the back of my mind, I was like, well, that's unfortunate that you think, you know, my middle name is more marketable than my first name. Right. Um, but I wasn't going to let that be an absolute deal breaker, you know, so because you, sure. there are people in the entertainment industry. Um, I mean, look, we got an actor. He, go, he goes by The Rock. Okay. What's his real name? <laughs> Right, right. You know right. what I mean? So, um, and there were musical peers that I knew at that time. I was like, okay, well, this is what people do. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking right now of Aaliyah, Rihanna, Beyonce. I mean, those are unique names, but I just wonder why that, I mean, and you're young, so you don't have the wherewithal maybe to, you're trusting the experts, right? Absolutely. Like I said, I'm trusting the experts. And then I was like, I don't want to rock the boat. It was already a tense time in Destiny's Child. They were going through legal issues with the two former members. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. And I was like, I'm not going to make this an issue. And I also felt like, wow, no one's going to know my real name. Hey, yeah, that, that might actually be yes, okay. That, that might actually that that might actually benefited <laughs> you and giving like, you a layer of privacy. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So let me ask you: Do you connect more now today to Tanitra or to Michelle or to both in their own way? I've been able to merge the two. Definitely mm-hmm. in the past ten years, been able to merge the two, but really get back to the fearlessness of Tanitra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think this book has a lot of Tanitra in it, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this book really takes us down to the core of you. Um, you talk about it a little bit in the book about uh, why you chose to call it checking in. I think there's multiple layers to that title. Will you, will you unpack that for us? Absolutely. You know, Back in 2018, I had to check in. I was checking into a treatment facility. And at the time, I felt like, gosh, this is just going to be humiliating. I'm going to be embarrassed. And, you know, and then I needed to take the power back in how the public found out. Because initially, I had to tell it because another media outlet, um, TMZ, they were going to tell it. And this is no shade or no love lost to TMZ. They're an outlet that does their job. And when they're given information, their their platform is to tell it. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, man, I wanted a chance to tell this when I was ready. I have you know, more a- of a problem with the person that told TMZ than with TMZ. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, I have no idea. Now, that's good, Rachel. That's a good perspective. Yeah. To this day, I don't even know who told TMZ. Yeah. 
you know, and but it, and so and it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. It does. doesn't matter. But all to say, I'm a transparent person and I was eventually going to tell this part of my journey. But I was like, let me get through my treatment first. Let yeah, me see how yeah. I'm feeling. And I will eventually one day tell it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't and, given and on that your chance. own terms. And that's really not fair that you didn't Correct. get the chance to do that. But like I said, you know, we were practicing forgiveness here, right? We're both Christian that's women, right. but um, I just, I have more of a problem. We know who TMZ is, right? Like the a spade's a spade there, but, um, but yeah. So anyway, so, you know, looking at you, right, you are this beautiful, successful, incredibly talented superstar, but you're hiding depression. And, you know, I think really when that TMZ article broke, that was really the first time that many people realized that you were battling depression. And you write in the book about how someone with quote unquote, everything can still have depression and hide it well. And I, like I mentioned earlier, I struggle with anxiety and I don't know if many people on who are just getting to know me on a surface level would would ever know that I have that struggle, but I, I very much do. And you write about why talking about depression is so important because as you say, depression does not discriminate. It doesn't look at your tax returns or um, you know, how many clothes you have in your closet to, mm-hmm. to see who who struggles with it. So you reached lows of even planning your own funeral, which breaks my heart to read. Mm-hmm. And you write in the book about after you rose to the pinnacle of fame and success the low of destiny's child ending and how that affected you. Was that when you began kind of struggling with depression? Well, I would say more so and severe because I felt like, man, you know, and I would say destiny's child was an escape. And it's like, Mm -hmm. once that was over, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my safe place. Yeah. Yeah. It really is my safe place. And so I I didn't know what to do on my own without my safe sisters. Absolutely. And, you know, I will tell you that I have used the crux of busyness to avoid dealing with some of my issues that I need to Mm, deal with. The busier I am, I don't, I, I pre COVID, obviously during COVID, I had ample quiet time with myself as I think most of us did, but pre COVID, I would stack my schedule so busy that I wouldn't have time to really look at myself in the mirror and work on the things that I need to work on. And and maybe that's what was happening with you too. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it was an escape. Even going to college was an escape because I was like, oh, I just can't wait to leave home. I'm going to go. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to make lots of money. And, you know, I had my life all planned out. Sure, sure. And you're traveling the world. You're uh, doing music videos. You're recording albums. You're going on concert tours. You're here, there and everywhere. And there's no time to really even have to think about that. And then it's over like that. Mm-hmm. And then you're faced, you're faced with yourself. And so, you know, you kept the depression hidden through a very public relationship and a very public breakup. So what was the moment, take us back that you decided to get help for what you were going mm-hmm. through? And um, when I just said, you know what, I'm just, my responses are just out of character. I'm hopeless. I am you know, thinking of suicide. And I was like, this is not what I, how I want my life to be. Yeah. And that's when I said, I'm going to go get help because I needed help. Yeah. 
And, and I think it's so brave to talk about that because so many of us, and, and it's less so now, but back 10 years ago, everyone was trying to really put on this perfect facade. Um, it's becoming more and more accepted, but it was not, you know, the norm to, to, to admit that you were going through struggles. And that's why I really appreciate this book because you really go there and mm-hmm. you write in the book about the importance of working on yourself and how we all need to every single one of us because and I love this quote you will always repeat what you don't repair repair that's right so how has being honest about your depression helped you live a better life um I just it's been just healing just talking about it processing through it and it's like every now and then I'll get some amazing revelation regarding myself or even something for somebody else, but more so for myself and, and just how to um, live in total freedom, because I think my life will continue to be a testimony for others. Yes. And you know what? I think I've said this on the show before. God sets us up so that our tests can become a testimony and our messes can become messages. And that's Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what is happening here. And I want to go back to the title of the book. So you checked in, but also it's kind of got a double entendre of making sure that you're always checking in on yourself, checking in on the ones that you love and, and talking about what's going on in your life. Right? Yes, absolutely. The three pillars of checking in, checking in with yourself, you know, that's also including being self-aware of your emotions and how you're feeling, um, feeling your feelings, checking in with others, which is, you know, checking in with others and on others. Yeah. And then checking in with God, just having those honest, honest conversations with God. And they don't have to all be filled because my conversations with God aren't always filled with trouble and challenges. Sometimes it's just filled with pure gratitude. Absolutely. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And I, and I, that's a perfect segue to my next question. You know, your faith is extremely important to you. My faith is extremely important to me. It's Mm. the bedrock of really my entire life. And you write how you've seen the fingerprint of God on the map of your journey, which is so beautifully said and how trusting God has transformed your life. So how is your deep faith worked in tandem with your work on yourself because Mm. I think there's a misconception that you can't have faith you can't have Jesus and a therapist and I'm here to tell you you can have both and life is better when you do oh you definitely can have Jesus and a therapist one of my good friends um who's a trauma um therapist a, a pastor's wife and a prolific speaker on major platforms her name is Dr. Anita Phillips she says prayer is a weapon therapy is a strategy oh oh can you say that one more time prayer is a weapon therapy is a strategy yes I love that oh my god you know, I love that yeah so that freed me of anybody in my presence saying anything. And most of the time, if somebody says something ignorant about your choices to get therapy, that's on them, you know, prayerfully, they never get into a situation where they have to come back and say, you know what, I actually understand what you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, going to therapy, it does not lessen the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
No, you know, no, there are I times feel more the, connected. Yeah, I feel more connected. There are times the Holy Spirit, I talked about a moment in the book where I know the Holy Spirit guided me to a therapy session. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a moment of distress. I went immediately. I didn't even have an appointment at my therapist. Something said, go to her office now. I get in my vehicle. I drive to her office and she says, it's amazing that you're here at this time because the person that I normally have called and canceled their session for today. So wow. come on in. Wow. So I'm sorry. I know the Holy Spirit is in me and I know it was the Holy Spirit that led me to her office that day. That's a God thing. That's mm-hmm. a God thing. He shows up in, in every corner if we let him. And I, mm-hmm. I love it. And I love it. And so how, how are you do, for all of us that love you, which so many love you, how are you doing today? You know what? God is so good. I'm doing very well ever since 2018. I've been in consistent therapy. There are times where, you know, we don't talk about anything. We Mm might have talked about the crawfish and crab legs that I ate last night. (laughs) You know, just I'm just I'm just checking in because I also don't want to I wanted to get to a place where I'm not just checking in with my therapist in times of distress. No. So we're seeing so much growth to where she's like, okay, we don't have to talk every week now. You've been showing that you. Yeah. So I've been showing her that. And even she read my book. I actually thank her in my book. And she was like, the person that I am now is different from the person who wrote this book in 2019. Sure. Growth. So much growth. So much growth. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I find that some of my best therapy sets, some of my therapy sessions, me being the type A personality that I am, I come in kind of with an outline of what I want to talk about, but the best therapy sessions are when I come in with nothing to say really. And then we just start talking about something and I get such a light bulb from wherever the, really, I think the Holy Spirit directs the conversation and you know, you don't have to have a plan walking into therapy. Some of the best sessions are just when you're just checking in and you just start going down a path and, you know, you realize something about yourself you never would have had you not talked it out. That's so good. You're right, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I love therapy. Um, I, both of my parents are therapists. So I come about this. Love wait a minute. Wait a minute. So <laughs> So Did I don't you? get free therapy now. My my mother, who I know will listen to this episode, my mother uh, said, I'm a therapist, but I am not your therapist. therapist. Wait a minute. So I just want to know, yeah. did you ever feel like your everything was being analyzed? Yes, but my mom was very, I'm a child of divorce. So I only really grew up with my mom. My dad always lived out of state. And so my mom was very cognizant of leaving her work at work. And I, you know, she was never, um, I never felt like she was psychoanalyzing me, but it was really the other way around. It was me trying to come to her for free sessions and her saying, Mm -hmm. I may be a therapist, but I'm not your therapist. You're too close to the bone here. So she knew that to kind of set certain parameters. She was very good at boundaries. Yes. And, um, and I honestly did not start going to therapy until after a really, really rough breakup about four years ago right now. And it sent my Mm -hmm. whole life into a tailspin. I know you can relate to this and, um, it sent my whole life into a tailspin. And actually I had situational depression in that time. I'd never struggled with it before I'd watched around me struggle with it, but suddenly it got to the point where I could not get out of bed. 
it felt as though I had a hundred chains chaining me to the bed. And I remember, um, I rem- oh, gosh, this is making me want to cry. I remember, mm, um, I'm so just, sorry. No, well, I look, I'm so glad it happened because now I can relate to those that have struggled with depression because I've, I, thankfully it was only for a season in my life, but I can relate. And, um, I can remember just saying, okay, Rachel, if you can just get to the bathroom and take a shower, that's all you have to do. And then I was like, okay, if you can just get to the car, that's so that's good. All you have to do. And then I would say, okay, if you could just get to the, your desk, that's all you have to. And so I would just have to bribe myself with little bribes. And, and, um, you know, I just, I was so afraid I was going to lose my job. I just, I, which thankfully I did not, but it was, it was a rough, rough season, but I'm, Mm. I'm really feel thankful for that time now because I can so better relate to those that have struggled in a way that I never could have had I not experienced it myself. Mm. So all of that to say, I didn't even get into therapy until I was 31. And so um, I, uh, I'm now the biggest, I mean, I've always been a proponent of it, but I, I feel like everybody can benefit from a therapist. Absolutely, Rachel. And by the way, thank you so much for um, sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing your whole story with all of us in this, in this remarkable book. I mean, you acts like that give me courage to be more vulnerable. Mm. And so never doubt that you have left a mark and an impression and a positive impact on so many, but me in particular. So um, I just, it just feel such a soul connection with you. But my last question for you today is, you know, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing so well and that, you know, like all of us should be in a therapy journey and that you're still in one as well. So take us, you know, going back to the lowest moment, whether it was 2018 or or whenever, what would you say to someone struggling right now, or even to yourself at your lowest point to help give them hope? Wow. Um, Just so you just... Uh, to encourage somebody that when you're in that lowest point, there will be lies whispered in your ear that Mm. will say, no one will understand what you're going through. You're better off um, killing yourself or you're better off um, isolating yourself from anybody to everybody. Um, It'll always tell you what you're better off doing. Mm. And the enemy knows nothing about what you're better at doing except for the one who created you. Amen. Yeah. and so, and I know in distress, sometimes you don't, you don't want to hear scripture. You don't want to hear a prayer. You sometimes don't want to hear nothing about God. Right. Yeah. But if, if I can just tell you that there is more, if you can just hold on mm-hmm. and I know what it's like to lay in the bed for weeks and weeks at a time and just get up and brush my teeth and get back in the bed, Rachel, I know what it's like to say, you know, okay, now that I brush my teeth, the shower is actually right behind me. I could actually step in the shower right quick, yep. right? Even yep. if I got to get back in the bed. My uncle also encouraged me, if you could just go to the kitchen and then eat some oatmeal, even if you got to get back in the bed, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, it came to the point where I'm just saying this because I know those baby steps to eat oatmeal on the sofa, even if I laid back on the sofa, but to make sure you're taking care of yourself. But as far as being in that dark pit, 
I know what it's like, but I also know that there are people who do care about you. So you don't have to get so low in that pit where you feel like you can't crawl out. And the good thing is, if you are in the pit, you one step at a time, just get out of that pit. Mm-hmm. reach out to people who are safe people and who love you yes who love you and a safe person isn't always blood oh say that again please a safe yes. person <laughs> doesn't always have to be a relative a safe person could be somebody maybe that you know you've gotten close with at work that says hey I'm not trying to dump this on you because you probably don't even have the emotional capacity but I'm I'm struggling right now I just mm-hmm. I just need you to hold my hand right quick through this so hold my person, hold yeah yeah hold my hand person, yes that safe person doesn't even need to be like in my season my safest people were people that I barely knew because I didn't yes. want to burden people that I, that really loved me with this about how bad it really was. And so some of the people that carried me through that season were, were people that were honestly just in my life for that season and will never know how much I'm thankful for them, but just Mm. someone, and there's, there's always someone out there. Always. There is somebody. And if you find yourself in distress, Rachel, I'm sure you've probably mentioned before, as far as even a a suicide prevention hotline, um, going to psychologytoday.com. Um, to look for therapists. Um, I'm trying to figure, I wish I knew of, of a, the more faith-based words, like faith, if you feel like you want a faith-based clinician. We'll look it's, that up and put that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Okay, great, great, great. I just want, I just want people to know, though, know that there are resources um, for you, but don't stop praying. Yes, that's, yes, also, yes. You can have both and you should have both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Don't stop praying. And lean into, if you're a part of a church community, lean into that. I mean, that might be a perfect person to go to because they, you know, maybe just someone that you, you kind of know at church and um, just, you know. Absolutely. Is- but I, I, I want to be careful with that because there are some religious communities that have told True. people, oh, just pray about it. You're not praying enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. Yes. And that is what I like want to dispel with all of my heart on this podcast is that you can have both. They're not mutually exclusive Mm -hmm. and you can pray to your heart's content and have a therapist. And I truly believe that God gave therapists gifts, special gifts from him because he wants earthly hands and feet to help us too. And same with pastors, Mm -hmm. you know, that's so good. And so, you know, there are resources, we will definitely put those in the show notes, but, you know, you're not alone. And, and I know that in the, in my, I can only speak from my experience, but in my deepest, darkest hour, I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. But let me tell you that I now appreciate and I'm so glad that season happened. I never thought I would say that, but it has brought me closer to Christ it has brought me closer to me. It has unlocked doors about myself that I never could have opened had I not hit rock bottom. I needed a reset in my life and maybe I would have preferred another way to do it, but, um, it, it served a purpose for me and, um, there is hope. That is something I want to drive home to is there is always hope. Mm, There is always 
always. Anything, any last words, my friend? Oh, Rachel, as you were just saying, you know, there is always hope. There are two people that are talking to each other right now that are, you know, testimonies, that are living testimonies, you know, of, um, of us holding on to hope and holding on to our faith when everything else crumbled around us, faith was the only thing that I had to stand on Mm. and faith will carry you through. Even if it seems like it's a small life raft in the ocean, listen, (laughs) it's going to carry you to shore. Amen. Everyone pick up a copy of this beautiful book, checking in it's, it's on shelves now. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here today. And more than that, having the courage to so boldly share your story. You are a gift to this world. Mm, mm. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you to Michelle for this conversation and for this book. It, like her, is so heartfelt, genuine, and authentic. Well, friends, that's it for season one, but keep I'd Rather Be Reading on your podcast feed because the best is definitely yet to come. Next season, we have luminaries like ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet, former Cosmopolitan editor-in-chief Kate White, and so many more ready-to-talk books. And in the meantime, if you'd like to chat books with me, email me at hello, I'd rather be reading at gmail.com and follow, rate, and review our show. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your part in making this dream come true. Here's to more books and more meaningful conversations very, very soon. <laughs>